Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna. We are uh, in what would typically be a pretty non-eventful time in college football mid-July um, when we're, all, we're on vacation and gearing up for the season. Uh, less so this year for obvious reasons. Um, today's show, we're going to recap a little bit of my one-on-one with Brian Kelly yesterday uh, and sort of update sort of where Notre Dame is and it's hopeful return to play, uh, or at least return to practice right now. But, uh, Matt, as you've, I guess, sort of observed Notre Dame in college football over the last two months, I think our last show was state of the program when we were maybe a little bit more hopeful of, uh, the season. I think that even included Notre Dame playing in Dublin, Ireland against Navy in my schedule analysis, which seems like three years ago, but how... I guess sort of how have you taken Notre Dame's hopeful comeback and then your optimism or lack of it about college football overall? Uh, I would say from the outside looking in relative to 130 FBS teams, Notre Dame has, has executed things about as well as you could possibly hope for. I mean, to have just one positive test over two different uh, public announcements of testing uh, to have guys secluded, I believe, in the Morrison, right, on campus. Right. And, and by all accounts, following rules for the most part and doing the right thing. And it, frankly, seeing Brian Kelly speak to you and to, to speak to some national radio shows and so forth over the last two months, outside of Lincoln Riley, who I think's kind of established himself almost in a league of his own when it comes to, like, recognizing the severity of, of everything at hand here in this country – Brian Kelly has been really, really, really impressive uh, every single time he's opened his mouth, which we haven't always said about that guy, to be completely honest. And you're going to have some hiccups over 10 and a half years at the highest profile job in college football. But um, I think he has really, really you know, showed his colors here. That is, he's a really intelligent guy. He's a really sharp guy. He really cares about getting this right and not just, hey, you know, they're 18. They'll, they'll figure it out. You know, this virus isn't that – that um, deadly no like it's it's real um and it's it's severely jeopardized uh not just Notre Dame's football season but everyone's football season right now as we sit, sit here in the middle of July and wonder you know what we're going to be doing this fall but uh, I, I credit Notre Dame's overall response as much as you possibly can knowing that ultimately this thing's probably going to be dictated like Jack Schwarbeck has said multiple times uh by outside forces by the virus itself not by you know what everyone does internally within the sport Brian Kelly is interesting in those kinds of settings. I mean, you've had some of them as well, where if you if you sort of get him going on things that are outside of the day-to-day of football, he, I think, gets a lot more introspective and is much more thoughtful than your average college football coach. And I think in some ways people have maybe taken that as um, a negative in the sense of, you know, if you said there was no more college football uh, that – you know, Urban Meyer or Jim Harbaugh or like these Dabo Swinney, like I'll coach for a dollar. Like I just, I just love ball. I'm all ball all the time. And, and Brian Kelly just is like into other stuff. Um, you know, he's, he just has a perspective that goes beyond his office uh, or his, or his, or his own football program. As far as Notre Dame goes, it was, I thought it was interesting talking to, to Kelly yesterday about, okay, he's really confident Notre Dame is going to get to the starting line of the season that when 
it comes around to September 5th or September 6th uh, against Navy or if they swap out opponents with somebody else, that Notre Dame will have a, essentially a, a clean and mostly full roster ready to go. But he, I thought he was very clear-eyed about the fact that Notre Dame can train and prepare and practice and quarantine and self-isolate and all that stuff. And it ultimately just, it might not matter. Um, they're, they're just, they're, there may be two big forces that uh, go above and beyond whatever Notre Dame can do. Yeah. You saying all that right now reminds me of, uh, I, I sat down with Brian, I want to say five years ago now, 2015 before the season. And, you know, at that point, whatever year it was, year six, year seven, we're all wondering, you know, how much longer is he going to be here? Is he going to go to the NFL, blah, blah, blah. And I, I finally said to him, like, you know, you don't strike me as a guy who's just going to, like, coach here until, like, they drag you out or you die or retire or whatever it is. Like, you're not going to coach into your 70s. And he's like, no, I'm not. But, you know, he, he didn't exactly have a clear answer on what he wanted to do after coaching, although everyone assumes politics because that was where his original background was. But he's one of a handful of guys, like you said, who I think um, – you know, if coaching were not in the cards for him anymore, he wouldn't have a hard time finding uh, something else to do with his life, whether it's sports related or not. Uh, as far as his comments on, hey, we're doing everything the right way, but, you know, there's so many more moving parts when we get to uh, the actual kickoff time of the season. I'm going to read something that Bronco Mendenhall, the Virginia head coach, said on a Zoom call Monday uh, with reporters that I thought was was sobering and uh, really on point. Uh, he was asked, is the season possible? And he said, quote, it's possible, but incredibly challenging. And I'm really encouraged by our stats. Our numbers would reflect less than 1% basically of our team, which is if you look nationwide or testing wide about as safe an environment as you can find maybe on the planet. That's the starting point. But I just tried to explain the protocols that are helping us to do that to this point. Now, when you consider another team doing that and then arriving to a place and both teams doing that and them trying to play, and go back to regular protocols, even at home, and then keep that up possibly for 14 weeks based on how successful you are. And oh, by the way, here comes the rest of the students who certainly aren't going to follow the same protocols as a higher standard expected by the athletes in these unique cultures to perform. That's going to be one other challenging component. So possible, yes. Challenging would be an understatement, end quote. I don't know if you could put it any more thorough than what that did. Um, we haven't, we're, we're having all these discussions. We're voicing all these concerns. Uh, we're hearing all the internal pessimism and we haven't even got to the point where college campuses are going to be functional colleges with students taking in-person classes. And I know each place has different uh, formulas, different outlines for how they want to bring students back as, as of now uh, for this fall. Notre Dame has made theirs pretty clear for, for next month. Uh, in some ways, I think uh, maybe it helps you if you're Notre Dame that you're a smaller campus and you don't have 20,000 people going around. In other ways, most of the kids are living in the dorms and Brian Kelly trotted out a pretty plausible and scary scenario to you in your story yesterday about the negative of that, the potential negative implications of that and just how hard it's going to be to assure, ensure everyone's safety. Yeah, it's, I mean, the notion of Kyle Hamilton getting infected on his because of something happening on his dorm floor um, would be a little bit terrifying. Uh, you know, this, that specific example I think is unlikely, but um, there, there will be freshmen living in the dorms that, you know, could play important roles for Notre Dame and their roommates are non-football players. So you're losing a little bit of control there. Brian Kelly referenced in my conversation that, you know, once the students come back, we, you know, 
the foot we the football program can take all these protocols and wear masks and distance and all those things but the students have to do the same thing it's it it reflects society at large when you see governors and mayors and commissioners and football coaches basically talking to the general public saying if you want football wear a mask that's it like do do this very basic small step and maybe we'll have a chance um i think Overall, Notre Dame's small campus will be a pretty large positive. Um, you know, maybe that's the culture of Notre Dame where people sort of do what they're told um, at a religious institution. But um, the way it's been laid out to me is, in terms of Notre Dame is almost, pretty much every precaution is going to be taken. Social distancing within classrooms, masks mandatory while you walk around campus, and also sort of like a I don't want to say like mask police, but imba- here ambassadors, I think, are what they're calling them, um, where you'll just have people Snitch, around. Snitches, just, just yeah, come snitches. out there. Uh, people stationed around campus um, who, like, if you're in university events and there's no events, now you're now you're one of these ambassadors where you're saying, like, hey, wear a mask. Um, and I, I don't think... Notre Dame, it's not going to be like when you go to a store, like when you go to Target and they put a sign up that says, wear a mask, and then no one says anything um, that you can wear it or not. Maybe wear in it. Indiana, over here in Illinois, we've been, we've been, okay, following yeah. the rules. in Indiana, it's a little <laughs> bit looser. Um, but I think Notre, Notre Dame is going to sort of be really locked down. Um, I think pretty, photos of campus, I, I'm kind of curious to go over there, what school is going on with a mask. And just sort of be like, what is like, what does this look like? Because um, I, I think they're going to have a very high level of compliance. Now, does that mean they're going to have a high compliance on Friday and Saturday nights? I don't know. Uh, that's a tough one because, um, uh, you know, our, our bar is going to be open. If they are, students are going to be in them. And if they're going to be in them, they're not going to be six feet apart. And if and then they're probably not going to be wearing masks either. So maybe the whole thing goes out the window. It's, it's It goes back to what uh, Brock O'Manahal said. You can... And Brian Kelly said this too. You can have all these protocols, but if everyone's not following, the entire the entire thing collapses. Yeah, I uh, I mean the people I've talked to around Notre Dame's football program have implied what you just said, which is like the campus, the student body, everyone is serious about making this work. And there's going to be, if not as simple as a three strikes and you're out policy, uh, like hey, you you get reported once, you know this happens. You get reported twice, this happens, and so forth. And I think being on a small campus, you're conducive to, uh, you're more conducive to peer accountability and, and making sure everything's right. But there's only so much you can control. I mean, you look at East Lansing, what 150 something cases I think have been traced to a single bar on a single night. Uh, you see the headlines coming out of Tuscaloosa and other places around the country. 18 to 22 year olds are going to act like 18 to 22 year olds. I mean, that's partly why they go to college. I mean, you look at that Ivy Leaguer even going on, on, uh, online classes that's that's sixty seventy thousand dollars a year for e-learning and when you look at in my opinion the true benefit of college or at least paying a lot to go away to college is hey uh my my uh doormate my roommate's dad works at jp morgan i'm gonna get an internship through this connection i made through harvard or notre dame or wherever um so i i i applaud notre dame and everyone for else who is trying to do it right i just when we talk about the nature of college football pre-pandemic and the, the control freak nature of the, of the adults in charge with this, 
that's a really scary scenario, not just at Erdane, but around the country when you talk about the number of people you're going to have no control over who are going to inevitably come into contact with uh, your student athletes. I mean, Ohio State shut down or I should say paused voluntary workouts after July 4th. And while they didn't release numbers, uh, they let their players go home for Fourth of July break. And when they came back, that was what really uh, alarmed a lot of the adults in charge, which uh, forced them to pause workouts. And, uh, you know, I think Notre Dame is probably avoiding that by skipping a fall break and moving students up to August and not September. But look, Chicago's close, Indianapolis is close. People have cars. People are going to be driving around. I just don't know how how enforceable uh, this is all going to be. And I, to take that step further, there have been arguments in certain parts of the country where, and pragmatically speaking, I, I can get behind this argument of if you're only, like if you're Notre Dame right now and you're the only people on campus and you have your own hotel and you have team rules that you're following, there might not be a safer place in the country than being a Notre Dame football player right now in the middle of July in South Bend, Indiana. Mm -hmm. I agree. Everywhere else, uh, when you bring, I mean, well, not just everywhere else, Notre Dame, I mean, you bring a full student body back onto campus, it all of that goes out the window. And the argument that I'm sure a lot of coaches, and I know a lot of coaches are, around the country are saying is, you know, we need to get through this fall. We can do it better if everyone else is e-learning and our kids are here. If you're Notre Dame, of all places, I don't know how you could ever possibly justify uh, basically your hundred, however many years ways of doing business when you are so adamant on making sure that the student athlete experience is like that of, you know, what do they call them? The NARPs, as Troy Nicholas called them, the, the yes. non-athletic regular people. <laughs> uh, I had to get a Troy Nicholas <laughs> shout out in there. Uh, I don't know how you can justify that way of doing business if that were to become a plausible scenario. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate to say it, but I think we've reached the point where we're, we're so far out of time as far as getting things off uh, on time in the fall that if you're a school like Notre Dame, do you start thinking about being proactive here and saying like, hey, we're just not going to do this. We're Notre Dame. We have, we've <clears throat> done things a certain way. We're going to continue to do things a certain way. It's going to be up to everyone else to get in line. If not, we'll, we'll, we'll see who's serious about protecting the health and safety of their student-athletes and their student body. We'll see who's just in it for, you know, the seven fall Saturday. Back to the podcast in just a minute. Pete and I would like to chat with you about Hawthorne. Pete, these skin products, these cleaning products, the house products have all been a great benefit for me after 18 weeks of quarantine. What have you found best about Hawthorne's products? Well, if you have two kids and a dog, um, there's a certain scent that comes with that in your home. Uh, and the two candles that I got for Hawthorne were, have been excellent. Uh, it definitely adds a, a, a scent of lounge and relaxation where I'm not reminded that I need to take the dog out or my son has thrown cereal on the floor. So it's, uh, it, I haven't got into the uh, skincare stuff yet. I hear great things, but I can definitely tell you as somebody who likes his home smelling not like a home that has two kids and a dog in it, Hawthorne is killing it in my house. The hand lotion, the body wash, the face lotion, I cannot recommend any of it all enough. Check out Hawthorne, hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co. And use my promo code IRISH, all lowercase, to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co. And use my promo code IRISH to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Well, I mean, one one 
thing that Notre Dame's doing that I, I doubt many campuses are doing is you have to have a negative test before you come back mm-hmm. if you're a regular student. So they're at least going to, everyone who shows up will be clean, so to speak, uh, once they get here, you know, with staff, faculty, students, all that. Um, and I think they're, they're asking strongly that, you know, you don't go to Chicago for the weekend. You don't go to Indianapolis for the weekend that you, you, you sit here. Um, it, it is interesting, you know, is that, um, you know, consistent with like no university travel business, but then you're going to go to Pittsburgh to play or Annapolis to play, you know, maybe that's where you have to make an exception for football, just like to be reasonable. Um, I was curious, one thing from uh, my conversation with Brian Kelly about his perspective on like, well, your 10 best players are out this week because they weren't disciplined and, and picked up COVID-19 tough crap. You have to play. Um, I, I'm curious what the NCAA mandate is going to be because, I mean, at some point there's a safety issue, right? Like if you had 30 players out, you I don't know if you could field a reasonable team um, that could compete and you know maybe even protect itself, especially if you're in like a power five versus a group of five situation. Um, what, what was your feeling on that? Because I'm sure some coaches are really going to push back and be like, no, we're going to postpone or – um, maybe forfeit a game like that. You know, if, if you're Clemson and Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne are out, or you're like, well, let's uh, let's play this game in December instead. Uh, I don't. What was your sort of perspective on that angle? I agree, and I think today the NCAA is supposed to come out with some, you know, bare minimum protocols for at least the Power Five schools, uh, given the resources of what will be uh, acceptable testing protocols and presumably what will be. Uh, acceptable game week and game day protocols uh, as far as, you know, when can someone play? When do, when do we have to know if someone's clean before they can play? I think, I mean, I think Brian said, Brian Kelly said, yeah, that's the price of doing business or that's the entry free, so to speak. Like if you're going to take on this risk of playing football, that could happen. Uh, I think in large ways, and I, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit when the big 10 and the PAC 12 decided to go conference only because I thought it was, uh, a solution to a problem they didn't quite have at the time, but but talking to people around both leagues, I, I think it, it, this would this would cover Notre Dame within the ACC. I think that's why you do go to a conference only schedule and you schedule maybe only ten games for the fall, and you build in a couple different bye weeks, or you start later, or you leave a few weeks on the back end of December for that scenario. Hey, Ebook and Trevor Lawrence are both going to be hurt, or, or both you know. God forbid, have COVID-19 the week of November 7th. Uh, all right, well, you know what? You know, we only have X number of other games. We have December 7th open. Let's reschedule the game for that. I, I think that's largely why these the two conferences so far, and probably the other three eventually, have gone conference only. I think when your uh, college football in general is, is not uh, equitable, it's 130 different uh, people with 130 different interests going up. This is why it's great. Well, it way, is why like, it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's but, why it's terrible in this uh, moment, oh, but why I mean, it's great overall. The minute the big 10 announced that I got a text from AD saying, imagine the NFC saying, all right, we're just going to play <laughs> each other this year. Um, it just doesn't happen elsewhere. But I think if you can protect your own, so to speak, and keep it within the family uh, and you're all following a set guidance and set rule book within a conference, um, you're not going to play 14 conference games. You're going to play eight, nine, or 10 probably. And 
Uh, as we know, in the fall schedule, teams play upwards of 13 games, sometimes 14 games. If you go to Hawaii, you can uh, build in, I think, open dates for, for really any team within the conference to, to have as sort of a mulligan. And, and I think that's probably the, the biggest uh, positive going to conference only and the biggest kind of – I hate to say where the – the word benefit, but uh, I think that's what Brian Kelly, you know, that's why he's, he's, you know, you, you just gotta, you gotta have your guys right because, you know, this is uh, the situation that, um, that everyone's facing right now. Uh, yeah. Before I get into Hawaii a little bit, uh, just mm-hmm. a reminder, our, our listeners right now, promotion, it's pretty much always there. 40% off uh, subscript, new subscription to the athletic. You can go to athletic.com slash the shamrock to get 40% off. Read my uh, Q&A with Brian Kelly from just yesterday and all sorts of good stuff there. Uh, on the Hawaii point, I was on a Hawaii radio show earlier this week, and they're like, Whoa. you know, we're hearing rumors that Notre Dame and Hawaii, uh, you know, might might play. Because Hawaii, I think, lost their entire September schedule. Gordon, yeah. yeah they did. I'm, I'm saying, like, if I can't cover Notre Dame at USC on Thanksgiving weekend, I would be fine covering Notre Dame at Hawaii. Um, so... What what are your thoughts on uh, Notre Dame's scheduling moving forward? Brian Kelly had some pretty like this is a non-issue to me uh, take on that because he feels like there are more people who want to play Notre Dame than there are games for Notre Dame to play. Uh, Todd Graham, too bad his buddy Chip Long still at Notre Dame. We could have had a nice reunion if, if Notre Dame ah, played yeah, right. Hawaii. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I know that the first reaction by a lot of people once uh, conferences started going in conference only was up oh, for Notre Dame, like, you know, bleep or get off the pot, so to speak, like join a conference. ACC is going to take care of them. Uh, every conversation I've had with everyone inside that league has indicated that everyone's being a good team player here realizes that it's everyone's best interest to find a way to make this work. There have been a number of different scenarios, uh, put out there as far as schedules, one of which, which I don't think is picking up much traction, nor do I think it should, is the idea of three regional pods with five teams apiece and you play a round robin. So you play 10 games, play everyone. That was very confusing to me. Times, I guess I, I don't see it. Um, I think that's one of the, I think Bronco Mendenhall threw that, like, you know, it limits air travel. I'm not worried about air travel when you're flying a private plane and you have your team playing. Right. Like I just, I don't think it matters when you're at that level. And I think the whole regionalization part of it, if, if that if you're going for that within a conference is, uh, a dressed up fancy way of not doing a whole lot, but publicly saying we're protecting this health and safety of our student athletes. I don't really mm-hmm. think it makes a difference. Uh, the other ones I, I, that I've, I've heard are basically an A plus one or a nine plus one where everyone basically keeps the conference opponents as is, and they add um, one or two more games so that they have a nine or 10 game season. In Notre Dame's case, that would be two or three more games because they already have six teams. And this is frankly a good year for Notre Dame and the ACC in that, you know, the contract calls for an average of five ACC games a year. And sometimes you only get four and this year you got six. So that takes care of that. As far as inventory, you just have to add a couple more, which as Brian Kelly said, uh, will not be hard to do. Um, I think long-term that's the question. I mean, I've, I've talked to some people in the PAC 12 who have been uh, trying to figure out, okay, uh, USC plays a Notre Dame next year. That's two straight home games for Notre Dame. Notre Dame plays at Stanford next year. That's two straight home games for Stanford. And because of the way Notre Dame's schedule set up where they don't play those teams at the same point every year, they play one uh, earlier midseason, they end the season on the road against the other every year, 
that creates a lot of complications as far as if we were to switch one in 2021, we got to switch all of them. And, you know, as we know with scheduling, these things are planned in some cases as far as 20 years out. So does a neutral site game with Notre Dame and Stanford or Notre Dame and USC make sense in 2021? I don't know. Um, I, I don't think we're at that point yet, but I do think everything we're talking about right now, as much as we're tr- all trying to figure out how this can be played in the fall or the spring, um, the residual effect is going to be felt for many years to come scheduling-wise. On Todd Graham, I would love it if Brian Kelly would have faced Todd Graham five times at four different schools in 11 oh. years. I mean, that would be incredible. But, so Tulsa, Pitts, Arizona State, yeah. And then Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah. What a stat that would be. Well, there, he had a stretch where, I, what was it, 2011 to 15 or 2012 to 16? It was 10, Tulsa, 11, oh, Pittsburgh, hey, and then 14, 13 and 14, 14, 14, Arizona State. Well, no, I, the, uh, I was going to say USC had four different head coaches over a four-year span against Notre Dame during the yeah. Kelly era. I, you know, on the like, oh, you're going to play USC twice at home in a row, uh, it, twice here in a row, but Stanford twice in a, you know, back to back in Palo. I, I think you just have to live with that. Like that's, there's the, this whole dynamic of like what's equitable and what's fair. I get it. It's a conversation to have, but like the, you know, ideal left the barn a long time ago. Like, I think you're just trying right. to make the best of it. Um, you know, if you're Notre Dame, and you've got your your six ACC games. I was, I guess I was always of the mindset that the ACC would then just fill out the rest of Notre Dame's schedule, um, and then you know Miami Miami would be added. Um, you know maybe Florida State would be added. Um, you know t- or teams that had lost games. I think uh, Boston College and Syracuse and Virginia Tech lost Big Ten games. Um, the SEC's model of eight games, but then adding uh, a power five is very interesting. You know, maybe in that world, Notre Dame just plays the six ACC games. Um, You know, maybe the additional one is you you stick with Arkansas, but, you know, could you add like an Alabama or something like that? Um, You know, I sort of floated that idea to Brian Kelly and he was like, oh, God, uh, I think he still has some some residual effects from 2012 about Alabama, but I – you know, it's like you you read um, Ross Dellinger and Pat Forty had a right. good piece on that, and you know I'm looking at Alabama and thinking like, well, you lost USC, Notre Dame lost USC. Mm-hmm. You're looking for a marquee game. Notre Dame could use a marquee game. Like, how about that one? Um, so I there, but it, overall, I mean, we're all sort of like running out of time on this, right? right? Like, this has to be decided in the next couple of weeks, and you know, for, you you referenced it a second ago, like. These college football schedules are made 15 years in advance. You're going to rip them up and come up with a new one in two weeks. Um, that's That seems to be asking a lot for a sport that doesn't really deliver that kind of stuff. That was a really good story you referenced uh, on Sports Illustrated. And yet my takeaway from that was look at all the internal chaos going on in one league. Like, now imagine like all those guys trying to uh, – functionally interact with four other power five leagues and come up with something that works for all five. I mean, the opinions were just all over the place within the sec in that story that it it just, if anything, it it scared me off a little bit more than it did give me hope as far as like, 
oh, even within the conferences, they can't figure their stuff out. You know, how is college football as a whole going to figure this stuff out? Uh, I heard from an ACC administrator right after that came out who said, well, you know, what are we – if we go conference only, what's going to happen to our SEC rivals as far as home and away? Because the whole home and away dynamic is going to be uneven. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, does it really matter if there are no fans? Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting any gate from it either way. Uh, so, yeah, I guess yeah. that's a good point. I mean, but you, know, you mentioned it with the Pac-12. Forget ideal. I mean, we just need like functional right now. And that probably at the best case scenario means the season starting a little bit later in the fall. And frankly, I, I mean, personally, I would say everyone should start playing for the spring. Now I understand why a lot of people aren't ready to make that jump just yet. But I, I just I think some football is better than no football. And I think you need to start planning in that regard um, more than the idea that the schedule is going to go off without a hitch. I mean, if you're on a subscriber to The Athletic, and I know all of you are, read uh, our NBA writer Joe Varden's Daily Dispatches from the Orlando Bubble. Read about every single in some cases, overly ridiculous uh, measure that the NBA is taking. And granted, this costs them $170 million to do it. But everything they are doing after negotiating with a player's union, with everyone else, uh, just to see if they can get this thing off without a hitch in a bubble. Now realize that college football has absolutely none of the benefits that the NBA does. Uh, when it comes to infrastructure, when it comes to allocating those resources financially, when it comes to hearing out the voices and concerns of, of their labor, of their players, of their workforce. It, it doesn't paint a pretty picture. I, I got to be honest. Uh, it, it, uh, I think you know, NBA and MLB are going first, and therefore everyone else will in some ways learn from their mistakes and from what they did right. And I just think the more time you can buy yourself right now if you're college football, that's what you need to do. And I'm talking about this on an administrative level. If you're Brian Kelly, if you're Dave Clawson, Dabo Swinney, whomever, I get it. You're a football coach. You always over-prepare. You play where you're told, when you're told. And if you're, you don't have your team ready, then you're SOL. So I get it. They're not making these decisions. They need to do everything they can to keep uh, a normally fickle age group uh, of human beings, 18 to 22-year-olds, locked in and engaged day-to-day during a probably the most volatile period any of them have experienced in their lifetime. So look, they got to put their heads down and go to work. But if you're a decision maker in the sport, I think you need to really start uh, ripping up your old playbook and opening your mind to the idea of a spring season. And it, Brian Kelly said it perfectly. As a football coach, I think it could be done, but I don't want to speak on behalf of the athletic department that is responsible for a bunch of other spring sports. I get his sensitivity there. The reality of the situation is a lot of these sports are not going to exist if anymore if there's no football season. And so if they need to have a short-term sacrifice so that we can have some semblance of a football season in the spring, I think we need to exhaust every possible measure to make that happen. All right. I, w- I did an appearance on the Solid Verbal this week, and one of the questions oh, from was – Hawaii to Solid Verbal. You're our- I know. I was, I had, <laughs> a lot I had, of frequent flyer one- miles on the radio. I had Charlotte, Hawaii – um, I've got Charlotte today. Right? Ar- I've done everybody. Arkansas. Um, there's, there's a lot. Like it's, it's funny. Like I cover the the alleged uh, most irrelevant program that needs to oh, join yeah. a conference, but um, you do many, many, many radio shows. Uh, so the question from Ty Hildebrand was, and I'll put it to you: scale of one to ten, the we're going to see college football in the fall. In the fall. Um, 
any you say like one game does one game count as far uh, as that? at least six games i believe was oh. how he how he phrased it three maybe that's what i said okay. i went with three uh and then same question but in the spring uh personally i'd say i think my personal opinions differ that's with the only the opinion i'm asking for matt that it will happen um I would also say a three if we're talking spring oh. only. I mean, okay. I think it's... Sh- would you go? I went with six and a half in the spring. I think um, it should happen, but everyone's dug their heels in as far as, you know, that's the last resort. We don't need to turn there, blah, blah, blah. That I, I just think it's going to take so much heavy lifting for... I Probably no more heavy lifting to put on a fall season as is now, but I just... I don't know. If you ask me the 2020... The 2020-2021 academic year in general, I'd go probably six overall that something happens maybe seven okay but if we're I, if we're putting like, them in different boxes i think they're equally they're equal challenges right now ahead of each. i feel like i'm at a if you said there's football played in the academic year i i'm like eight and a half i think there's going to be a season it, I, it might look positive, really weird i'm more positive it would happen than it wouldn't um even if that means there's a start and a stop uh i just Every indication I've gotten from everyone about the spring, at least those in charge, is nope, nope, can't do it, blah, blah, blah. And I think they're going to have to do it. Um, but Yeah, because que- like, at some point people are going to be like, oh, wait, the question isn't fall or spring. It's spring or nothing. Yes. And I don't, I don't know why it's taken people this long to get there, but like, feel bad we're for there, the, I the lacrosse think. team. I feel bad for you know some other teams, the fencing team. But like, what do you – it needs to happen, you know? I mean, yeah. you'd like to think our country will be in a, a safer, better place. And I think there's no guarantees, but you'd like, to, I mean, you know, it, knock on wood, it probably won't be worse then than it is now. I hope to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, buy yourself time. I mean, yeah, I, I would say three for the fall. For the spring, I, I guess I would go higher than, than the three I said, but I just, everyone in charge has just been so adamant that this can't happen and blah, 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 that, um, it's discouraged me, although I personally think it should happen. And uh, if I hear one more person say, well, what about the NFL draft? What about it? We're talking about 30, uh, right, let's just say 100 kids nationwide out of thousands who say we're not going to play. Again, some football is better than no football, and we're still going to watch. And if we're allowed to go, some of us will still go. We'll go and cover it. If Clemson and Alabama got to say goodbye to every junior and senior on the roster, guess what? Guess who's had the best recruiting classes in the country the past couple of years and who have freshmen that are ready to kick everyone's ass uh, who are juniors and seniors across the country? Clemson and Alabama. And they're all going to be on the same page as far as how much practice time do we get in with our team since everyone's kind of making it up as they mm-hmm. go along anyway right now. I just think it, it has to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen in the fall based on uh, everything we're seeing right now in the middle of July. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, who could forget when they started canceling the NCAA tournament when freshmen went pro? Oh wait, that, no, wait, that that didn't happen. The, 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 the tournament Ivy, continued on, and people watched it. The the, the Ivy, oh, I thought you were talking about this year. I was going to say the Ivy League. No, really, no, no, no. Ivy League really jumped like, the gun there, right? Oh no. Yeah, just like guys going pro. Hmm. Boy, how will we survive this? Oh, easily. Well, easily. I'll say college basketball has its own problems when it relates to that, and it's, yeah. Well, just, I think you know. I love Ari Wasserman, our colleague who covers recruiting at Ohio State. But like, he had a, a recruiting mailbag. Sorry, sorry, like, uh, our uh, McDonald's ambassador. Yeah, I'm Ari sorry, <laughs> Mr. Filet-O-Fish. Uh, and it was just like, 
well, these guys would go pro. That's why the a spring season can never happen. I'm like, what? You like you casually you've, you've dismissed it. I mean, maybe this is people who cover Ohio State and Clemson, uh, and they're like, well, they would lose eight to ten players. Um, you can't play a season. Well, I good thing you've been recruiting so well that you can exactly you can handle that and sort of move on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're at a disadvantage for this one season, guys. But those are the breaks. I mean. Yes, football is a false sport. I get it, but <clears throat> history kind of goes out the window right now. Like, you got to play in not ideal weather conditions. Hey, maybe this benefits the Notre Dames and the Michigans of the world. I don't know, but like, you got to make it yeah, happen. Yeah, because I've never covered a Notre Dame in cold weather, yeah, right? a Notre Dame game in cold weather in November. That's never happened. I, I, I just don't see every. It, I, I do find it telling. Brian Kelly mentioned it. We've seen other coaches mention it. Every coach I've talked to, at least says yeah why not we already have spring practice like we already have right. them done like we can figure it out um just tell us when and where and you know they have different concerns than the administrators do i get that but i just i, I don't mm-hmm. get I, I, I you know beating a dead horse here but i i just think it, it, you're probably looking at a scenario where it's that or nothing and the sooner you can start preparing for that the better um yeah well, well good news for shamrock listeners um even at, whether there's a season in the fall or not, uh, whether there's a season in the spring or not, uh, our podcast will probably start ramping up a little bit here. And we have a, uh, a very fun episode coming next week. Uh, we won't tease the special guest as like, you'll never guess who it is. Because um, I think the last time we did that, people are like, what? Um, but Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee is scheduled to appear on the Shamrock next week. Um, I think that if you've spent any time around uh, Lee, as Matt and I both have quite a bit, really interesting guy. Um, I think it will make for a great conversation uh, and pretty enlightening, uh, much more so about how he coaches, why he is the way that he is, which is, I think, unique among coaches. Um, But that's something for all of our listeners to uh, look forward next week. I think it's going to be a fun show. I can't wait. We can finally – formally uh, apply for the name change of our original idea, Domes on Domers, maybe Domes with Domers, uh, with Clark joining. We should just post the Zoom of all three of us. Yes, that way all bald. Really, that, that will really taste, bring in a whole, other, uh, <laughs> a whole other fan base, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So look for that podcast. I think we're going to drop that on Monday, if all goes according to plan, maybe on Tuesday. But early next week, our next episode of The Shamrock will be an awesome show. Uh, again, Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee scheduled to join us. I think uh, everyone who has listened to the show so far, and we have a great following. We appreciate all of you guys uh, and girls for listening. Should be a great show next week. So until then, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us. Thanks.